this morning. We've been going through this series, and I want to make sure you understand why. You know, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and we've been, you know, we, we went through a couple of weeks of intro on the gifts of the Spirit, then we, we did a couple of weeks on the debate of whether, whether the manifestation gifts were for today or not, okay? And I'm not going to belabor that. We went through that. If you weren't here, you can listen to that on the podcast. But if, if you want to just jot this down, it's really as simple as understanding Acts chapter 2, verses 17 to 21, where Peter quotes the book of Joel, saying that when in the last days he will, the Father will pour out his Spirit on all flesh until... The day of the Lord, until the return of the Lord. That's what it says in Joel, and, and Peter repeats it in the book of Acts. But Peter uses that as an example, saying, today is, is that day. Today is when that begins. You know, at Pentecost is when that began. When does it end? It ends at the day of the Lord. That's the returning of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, so again, I don't want to belabor that point, I want you to understand it. But what I want you more to understand is why. Why does he do that? Why does he give us gifts? Why does he make us unique? Why does he facilitate the church and give things to the church that the church needs? Well, it would seem pretty obvious that that's how the church moves forward. That's how the church you know, lifts his name. That's how, that's how the, the belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God precipitates throughout the earth, right? But do you know it's so much more than that? See, there's nothing that God does that is not individually based. Why? Because he doesn't just care about us as a group. He cares about us individually. He cares about us as single, individual, unique people. So he knows that one of the greatest things, in fact, the very reason we were created, was this idea of love, this idea of fellowship. We were created for fellowship with God. So because of that, he lays this foundation in his church. Not just for the church to function, not just for the church to grow, but for us to have fellowship together, for us to have purpose in being together. See, if it was all just about getting together and having coffee and talking about what's going on in our life and everything else, well, okay, that's fellowship, right? It is. But there's really no depth there. There's no depth until that changes to relationship. But see, in relationship, there has to be purpose. In relationship, there has to be camaraderie. There has to be working together. So do you see that that as God gifts his church, he makes us rely on one another. He didn't gift one person. He didn't say, okay, Greg, you're going to... 
you're going to pastor this church, so I'm going to give you everything the church needs. And then everybody else can just have fellowship and just be together and everything else. See, he doesn't do that. Why? Because there would be no purpose. There would be no purpose for anybody else to actively engage in the body. We all have purpose. Everybody in this room has purpose in the body of Christ. And not just the overextended or, or, or the overall body of Christ, worldwide body of Christ, which we have that as well, but for this local body, this local church body. Every one of you has purpose in this body. So that's what Christ does. That's what he gives us for the purpose of relationship. See, we all have purpose of relationship in here together, right? That's an important thing to understand. It's not about receiving gifts just so we can accomplish something for the Lord. I think that's an afterthought, and so many times we put that in the forefront. Well, we have an agenda that we need to accomplish over the next six months, you know, or over the next year. We want to accomplish this, this, and this, and we have these goals of what we want to do, and that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. But I'm saying that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. Because really what our goal should be is no different as a church body than what our goal should be as individuals. And that is, what does it take to become intimate with my Lord? What does it take for Him to be my best friend? What does it take to get to know Him on a new level? Know Him on a level I've never experienced before. See, when we make that the first thing, I know, Matthew 6.33, right? When we make that the first thing, seeking Him intimately in His kingdom, everything else falls into place. Everything else in life, in relationship, falls into place. Now, does it mean it's easy? No. When I, when I say falls into place, it doesn't mean that it's easy. In fact, Christ promised it wouldn't be. You know, from the second you get saved, from that very next breath on, it is probably one of the toughest lives that somebody could live. See, because the world lives to satisfy themselves. As people, we inherently live to satisfy ourselves. But when we get saved and we take that next breath with Jesus Christ, we're supposed to live to satisfy our relationship with Jesus Christ. Satisfy His desire for our fellowship. The very reason why we're created. Right? So He takes these giftings and He pours them out on His church and His people. And He says, you right there, you've got a purpose you right over here, you've got a purpose. And you over here, you've got a purpose. But you know what? If you don't work together, your purpose is never going to be realized. It's never going to be put to the point or brought to the point where God wants it to be. Because he wants us to work together. Any person who is a parent in here, now ours are a little different. Ours had 14 years in between, okay? 
But I can imagine being a parent that if I had, if I had kids that were close to the same age, I'd want them to get along. Right? I'd want them to work together. It would put joy in my heart to see them do things together. And even though our daughters are 14 years apart, it still does that to my heart. When Brooke was here the last couple of weeks and she would take Yvonne out, you know, to go get ice cream or go spend time together, that was awesome to me. That thrilled my heart. I think Jesus and the Father looks down and says, I have joy when I see my church working together. So with that kind of as a precedent, it's really easy to see how much we hurt him when we don't. I I think we're pretty good, honestly, about working within a, a local body, a local body of believers. In the U.S., anyways, we, we tend to be pretty good at that. Okay, different things here and there happen, whatever. But where I think we really frustrate God and really hurt Him is when we don't work together as a general body of Christ. Can you imagine what it would be like if the body of Christ actually came together as the body of Christ? First of all, it would bring on the end. Because we would have such a revival in this world that the time of the Gentile would be, would be complete. The number of the Gentiles would come together. It would please God to no end. So why, why can't we? Why can't we work together? And, and this isn't, I don't want a rabbit trail here. This isn't the purpose of what I'm talking about this morning, but I want you to get it in your mind that these gifts are not for us. These gifts are for our purpose in the larger body. Even what he develops in Ignition Church is not for us. Okay, what we do here is for the purpose of the larger body. One of the callings that I believe he has given to Ignition Church is to make bridges to other ministries. Somehow bringing these bodies of Christ together in a way, understanding that we're all the body of Christ. Again, can you imagine what it would be like if that happened? Well, I don't know how many of you watch some of these TV shows or whatever. I don't know. Anybody in here have God TV? Anybody, anybody have direct TV? Nobody has direct TV. Seriously, people. NFL package. Okay? NFL package. Red zone. Yeah, there you go. No, but direct TV carries God TV, channel 365. I've, I've been watching that for about two years now. And, and now God TV is based out of Jerusalem, but it deals with things all over the world. And the thing that's amazing to me when I watch you know, over the last two years, I've watched the different programs and the different conventions, different seminars and stuff on this. I am seeing the body of Christ start to come together. Now, we don't see that as much in the U.S., but worldwide, you're starting to see that. See, that is what is going to precipitate this end-time revival. It's necessary. It has to happen. 
That is our calling. That is why we're given gifts. Again, these gifts are not just for our purposes and our relationship with Jesus Christ, although it does bring us closer to him. It does give us the very intimacy in our relationship that he offers. But the purpose is for the church. The purpose is for certainly this local body, but then it's for the greater church. And I, I, going into this, I want to make sure that we understand that. Um, because it's, it's not just about us. What we decide affects everybody else. So, in, in what I want to talk about today, we've, we've, you know, we've talked about these gifts and, and, you know, we've, we've proven in the Word of God that they're for today and, and, but I want to start breaking down what are these gifts? You know, what do these mean? And, and there's basically, the scriptures show us there's three categories of gifts. There's three types of gifts. And I want to go over those this morning. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to start with verses 4 through 7. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul uses chapter 12, 13, and 14 to, he's talking about the, this, the first letter to the Corinthian church, talking about these gifts that they're given, and he lays out some, first of all, what, what some of the gifts are, and then, then how to deal with those. Okay, but this is what he says at the beginning of this in, in, in verse 4. 4 through 7 says this, Now there are varieties, and I'm reading out of the ESV, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for what? For the common good. Not for just us, he says, for the common good, for the common good of the church. Each person is given a manifestation of the Spirit. This, each person is given a gift, what? For the body, for the church body, for the common good of the church body. I want you to note, by the way, I think this is pretty cool how, how God does this. Um, how he lays out the word of God so often brings glory to the Trinity. Okay, when you, when you see in a passage where the Lord is listed three different ways, that is an allusion to the Trinity. I want you to notice that in here. But the same Spirit. Okay? And then it talks about in verse 5, the service, but the same Lord. And in verse 6, very, very, varieties of activities, but the same God. That's an allusion to the Trinity, which is interesting. But what I really want to look at are these three classifications of giftings. Let's look at, at verse 4. There are a variety of gifts. In the Greek, that word gifts is charismata or charismaton. It means a divine gratuity or a free gift. In other words, it's not something we purchase. It's something given. It's something that the Lord bestows upon us Kind of like you would tip a person, right? It, it, that's the actual meaning, is, is gratuity, of a free gift. It's given to us free. And that, that, is, that is the first layer of these gifts. 
The second one in verse 5, and there are varieties of service. The Greek, Greek word there is dikonia, and it means to serve, to minister, or to give relief. You are actively doing something for someone else. Okay, you're not just receiving something, but you are now doing. Okay? And then the third one, in uh, verse 6, and there are varieties of activities. The, acti- the word activity there in, in the Greek is energema, which means a working, an effect, focusing on results of God's energy through people. Can't, can't leave out that end part, the through people. See, it's focusing the very manifestation of the Holy Spirit through people. So first of all, it's something given to us for free. It's something expected to be used for other people. And then it's something that the Holy Spirit does himself through his power through us. Okay, these are three separate qualifications or, or, or uses of these gifts. Okay, it's important to understand that, that this isn't something in our own power. This is something that the Holy Spirit does through us. Okay, now by the way, it says, um, the, the word there, varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. We're going to get into some examples of these. And there are basically three, in, 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 uh, in the Bible, there are three different classifications, if you will, of giftings. As we go through these, though, these are not exhaustive. I don't believe that every single gifting was listed in the Word of God. I think these are, these are categories, and they give some, some broad strokes of, of what he gives us. But you'll find as we get into some of these that you're going to recognize other giftings that he gives us, especially in, in our service orientation, what we do within the church, what we do for other people. But the, these are going to be categories that most of those fall under. But do understand, except for, except for the final list, which we'll get to in a little bit, I don't believe that these are exhaustive. The, the final list is, is specific. But the first one is what's called ministry or service gifts. Okay, ministry or service gifts. That's what I call them. Some people call them other things, uh, uh, but I, I call them ministry or service gifts. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 gives a listing of what some of these are. Okay? Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 are these. And I, I'm going to read this. Verse 3, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So right there, you see that people are going to be different. People are going to be different because, first of all, it's based on faith. It's based on the measure of faith that is assigned to each person. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Praise God. It would be a mess if they did. 
right? It would be a mess. Verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we have listed there seven different gifts, right? Seven different, what I would call ministry or service gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leadership, that's also called administration, and mercy. Now, by the way, these are initial gifts that are given to the believer. Okay, now many times they're given according to what we would call our our personality or how we're put together. Some people you know you know from little kids, you know, that, that kid is is has got a gift of mercy, you know. Or or this kid has a gift of getting in trouble. <laughs> no, I don't think that's a gift, sorry. But the, the, you could see from an early age kind of how they develop and who they are, right? Okay? These are given, however, to a new believer, there is a shift. Okay, when you get saved, the gift, the personality type that you are, the ways that you are, is, is enhanced through God's gifting of that. Okay? You, you ever, you ever see a kid as they're coming up through, you know, from growing up and, and they just have a way of being organized. I mean, maybe not too many kids, but you see kids, I'll just use this as an example, this, this little kid as he's grown up or she's grown up, they're just organized somehow. I don't know why, they, they like to put all their toys in a row. They like to make sure that their closet is a certain way, and, and it's, it's got to be how it's organized to them, Right? You see these talents start to develop in that way. Well, when, when, that, when that person gets saved, it becomes applied in a different way. God enhances that gift. That would be, per se, a gift of, of administration or organization. Right? And, and like I said, this is not, those, those seven giftings are not an exhaustive listing, but they're basic categories showing that we're different people. We're given different things to bring to the body of Christ. Remember what it said. It was all for the body of Christ. It was all for others. Right? We're all to have a part in this. But, but these initial gifts are given to a new believer. This happens the moment one is born again. And the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell in their heart. This is a gift set that will form our walk with Christ and our growth as a Christian. It's important to understand we, we do almost everything through the lens of this gift set. Everyone in here has one of these, could have a few of these. But every person in here looks at life through that lens. If you have the gift of mercy, you're going to look at life through the gift of mercy. 
If you have the gift of exhortation, you're going to look at life through the gift of exhortation. And what, what I, the reason I use those two is they're almost opposite. Right? A person who has mercy cares so much about the feelings of somebody else. Why? Because they take on those feelings. If I have the gift of mercy, I take on the feelings of the person that I'm working with or, or, or you know, dealing with. Okay, exhortation is almost the opposite of that. Exhortation is, I know truth, I speak truth. It really doesn't matter how that person is going to receive it. Because I am here to declare truth. Okay, do you, and I'm using those two extremes because I want you to understand that it's through the filter of that gifting that we look at life. If I have just the gift of exhortation and I, I don't learn any kind of mercy at all, which, which by the way, is, is more of what I am, right? I, I, I always tease and say I wasn't given any mercy. <laughs> I wasn't given any gifting of mercy. But praise God, he develops that in us. Because if I just had the gift of exhortation and, and I could, I could, you know, preach the word and I could, you know, say what was truth and declare truth and all that stuff and I didn't have any mercy, oh my goodness, it, it, it would be sad. I would have no effect on anything. But see, I look at the world through my lens of exhortation. I look at the world, you look at the world through the lens of your gifting. Why? Because that's how you relate. That's how we relate everything that we take in, right? So th this gifting is important to understand, and, and it works in conjunction with our personality type, but it also can be completely new. See, sometimes the Lord will give us things, like, like I said, I... I don't believe I had a whole lot of mercy. You know, as, as I was growing up and whatever, it, that, that wasn't so much a gifting for me. But did it mean that I couldn't learn that? No. As a matter of fact, God said that I'm supposed to love everybody. Right? We're supposed to have mercy on everybody. So, so it was something that I had to learn. I had to learn to be effective with my exhortation with my gifting. Okay, so that, that's why I said you can have multiple giftings in this way at different varied amounts. Some can be learned, but the key ones are natural. The key ones are, are what you might say how God made you. Okay? You can't bring yourself to a gift of mercy completely if God did not begin to make you that way. Okay? And why? Because he did this for the body of Christ. If you had the body of Christ and nobody with mercy, you wouldn't have much of a body of Christ. <laughs> you wouldn't have a very effective church if there was no mercy in your church at all. Right? So he gives us different things. Okay? Now, I want to I be clear, though, and this is important to understand, that these are not talents, necessarily. Okay, the talents can actually confuse us in terms of how God may want to use us. And each person here who has these 
ministerial gifts has a purpose in, in this church, has a purpose in the body of Christ. But if we look at our talents and say, well, that's how God wants to use me, and we limit it to that, we might be missing the very thing that he wants us to see. See, I never, never in a million years pictured myself as a preacher at all. I, I, I didn't even want to. I wanted to sing. I wanted to lead worship. I wasn't even a very good singer, but I, but I knew how to lead worship. I knew how to do that. I was comfortable with that. I enjoyed that. That's what, that's what was my life's dream, if you will. Okay, but if I just had my focus on what he was doing with me in worship and said, that's all I'm going to do, that's all I'm going to open my eyes to and not let him work anything else out in me, I would have missed the very calling that he had on my life. And many of you can look at it the same way. Don't judge it on your talents. If you're a great singer, don't think that that's the only way he's going to use you. Okay? If you are afraid of people and, and you're kind of an introvert, don't think that he's not going to place you in situations where you are talking to people. God has a funny way of doing that. He has a funny way of doing that to take us out of our comfort zone. So in reality, it's a matter of him showing us what he wants. But everybody has a ministry or service gift because he wants you to engage in the body. He wants you to do something. If you're, if you're not doing anything for Christ, and this is a normal thing, then you want to look at that. Because every one of us is intended to engage in one way or the other. He, he said we, we have to. Because if we don't, the other parts fall apart. They don't do what they're supposed to do. So again, these gifts, prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leadership, also administration, organization, Mercy. These are the ministry or service gifts, gifts out of Romans chapter 12. And all of the giftings are basically in three different areas of the Word of God, and we're going to go over those. The second type of gift is called the manifestation gift. And this is something that, that, that that's what we spent the last two weeks in the Word of God showing that these were for today. Okay, the manifestation gifts are found, and go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 7 through 11. These are the manifestation gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, we'll read down through 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We read that earlier. Remember, this is for the whole church, for the common good, not just for us individually. Verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, or you could say word of wisdom or word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. 
to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually, what? As he wills. This is not something you work toward. This is not something you earn. This is according to how he wills. Now, we will see, as, as we get into some of this, you will see in 1 Corinthians 12, if you, if you continue to read, that these are things that we seek after. Paul says to seek after the higher gifts. He says specifically prophecy. Seek after these higher gifts. But yet, they are still given according to the will of the Holy Spirit. He is going to use them in his church how he wills because it brings the church together. See, these kind of giftings are not to show anything about us. Do you know every time Jesus Christ did a, a miracle on earth, okay, it proved that he was God, right? But it always pointed to the Father. He said, everything that I do points to the Father. Then he said, he is in the Father and the Father is in him. So everything that we do in these manifestation gifts that we're given is to point to Jesus Christ. Because we get to the Father through Jesus Christ. Everything that the Holy Spirit does points to Jesus Christ. So these manifestation gifts are not for us. They're not for us to feel like God is working in our life. And by the way, that's, that's a really easy thing to assume. I want to feel this manifestation of the Holy Spirit so I know he's working in my life. You know, that's a very dangerous place to be. Because he can work through us. That doesn't mean intimacy. See, intimacy is relationship. Intimacy is what we've talked about for months and months and months. You have an intimate relationship when you're in His Word. You have an intimate relationship when you're praying to Him. When you're receiving from Him what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. That's intimacy. When He manifests Himself through you, Okay, in one of these manifestation gifts. That's the workings of the church. There are purposes in that. And the purpose will always be to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Always. Never any other way. It never lifts up the person who's doing it. It never lifts up the church who's doing it. Or I should say it never should. That's where the Pentecostal movement or the charismatic movement has had problems. When it did lift up the individual. When it did lift up the church. See, and to lift up the church, you would think that's a good thing, right? No. Not according to Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only one to be lifted up. The only one. And so when he gives these gifts, which are wonderful, amazing gifts, it's for the purpose of him being lifted up. You know, 
I don't know if you, if you all know the name Heidi Baker. I know some of you do. Heidi Baker is a missionary in Mozambique, her and her husband Roland. Okay? And, and they've been in Mozambique, I don't know, I think 20 years or something like that. But they, they have been given a very unique, unique ministry. And they started out very humbly. But right now, and I, I was able to see her in, in April. Wendy and Anissa and I got to see her in April. And, and she was saying that now they have an orphanage. They don't feed 200 mouths a day. They don't even feed 2,000 mouths today, a day. They feed 20,000 children a day. Okay, but let me tell you what she does. When, again, Mozambique, Africa, she goes into these, these bush villages that are 100% Muslim. 100% Muslim, she and, and whatever team she's with will go in there, and the very first thing, they, they show the video of, of the, the uh, what's it called, the Jesus movie? Is that what it's called? Um, they show the video of the Jesus movie, and then she'll get up, get up and speak, and before she does anything else, she says she does one thing. She asks for anyone in the village that is either deaf or blind. Anyone in the village. And she literally will not go forward until she has someone. We watched a movie about this as well with her on there. But the reason why she does that, then they come forward. And the example that, that I saw, uh, that, that I saw a movie, movie that she was in, this lady comes forward who is deaf. She verifies with the entire village that this lady is deaf. They all, nobody knows her, they all verify that she is deaf. She invites the little kids to come up and lay hands on her, because there is power through their faith. And she prays, and this lady was healed. And then this happens every time she goes out into these villages. Why? To lift up her ministry? To lift her up? No. It was to show the very power of Jesus Christ in that place to people who did not believe in Jesus Christ. Many who had never heard of Jesus Christ. But yet, being Muslim, believing in Allah, they had never seen these miracles. And I don't know about you, but how would you feel if you knew, a, you knew this person that was deaf for years and years and years, and now all of a sudden they can hear? How would you feel? That, that, would, that would work something in your brain, wouldn't it? That would get your attention. Do you understand? That's why Christ does this. That he does it to glorify himself. The Holy Spirit comes through and manifests himself through the people there. Sees this lady get healed and can hear. And then Heidi begins to preach. And the entire village gets saved. This isn't a unique thing. This happens over and over and over and over again. Why don't we see that in the United States? Why in the United States do we see, when, when we hear of healings and we hear of, of these things, and, and at least for me, kind of growing up, it was always the thought process of, well, it's kind of crackpot or whatever. 
Why is it that it's different in the United States? I'm convinced it's because in the United States it's about us. In the United States it's about that great old idea of personal success. Personally moving forward. See, we don't do all that well in the United States with doing it for other people. I mean, we do, we do here and there. Don't get me wrong, we're, we're the most giving country in the world. That's not what I'm talking about. We give after we've received. And I, I think that we find that in the church as well. See, the church builds up to a point where it can do outside its walls. But wow, I, I don't see that in the Word of God. I see in the Word of God that, that the church builds because it builds completely. Wherever God is, is leading you to build. So, so why does this work overseas and it doesn't seem to work here? I think that's why, is that Jesus Christ is not being lifted up. Overall, does that mean there are no there are no places in the United States where it's being done right? No, that, please, that's not what I'm saying at all. I I know there are. I've seen them. I've met the people. I've seen the Lord Jesus Christ's name being lifted high. I've seen the results of how the Holy Spirit uses these manifestations to lift up His name. So again, that's the purpose behind all this, and we've got to get that. Because there is power in that. How many times have you been to a meeting where everybody got saved? Not just a couple. Everybody. This video I saw with Heidi, uh, there had to be, I don't know, there had to be close to 100 people in the village that, that was here. And the entire village got saved. See, we don't see that. Why don't we see that? Did God change? You know, did, did because we have different technology and stuff, he just doesn't have to engage anymore. Because we have, we have the whole word of God and we have these eloquent preachers and he doesn't have to engage anymore. No. He doesn't engage anymore because we don't know what that means. He doesn't engage anymore because we don't let him. He doesn't engage anymore because we, we mistook the very thing he wanted to engage with. Because it's one thing for me to lift up the name of Jesus Christ through my own, you know, fruition, my own abilities. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to do something through me that I couldn't possibly do on my own. See, he gets glory for that. Because it couldn't be of me. It couldn't be. And it shows him the glory. These gifts that we're talking about here, they're a direct manifestation of the Holy Spirit through a person to demonstrate God's power. Right? To demonstrate his power. Not our power. Not that there's anything special about us. But to demonstrate his power, I want you to turn to John chapter 16, because it always points to Jesus Christ. John chapter 16, 
verse 13 to 15, say this. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus Christ speaking. He's saying the Spirit, in verse 14, will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. If you ever see a ministry or a person lifting themselves up or lifting up that ministry, then something's wrong. Because it's not about the person or a ministry, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ working through us in a way that it just flows. You know, if you think of an electric conduit, right, you can have a really old corroded wire and you can put electricity through it, and it's going to get through it. It won't be as pure as what it started. What's received on the other end is, is blocked a bit by the corrosion, by, you know, breaks in the wire, whatever it, whatever, whatever it is. But if you take a clean wire, a perfect conduit, that electricity goes from one point to the end point, and there's very little loss. There's nothing blocking it. See, I want you to look at your own life that same way. What kind of conduit are you for the Holy Spirit? What kind of conduit are you for Jesus Christ to work through you? Do you put stuff in the way? See, because he wants you to be a conduit that he can purely work through. That's also a manifestation of these gifts. We can block these gifts. We can block the very things he wants to do through us because of sin in our lives. Because of a lack of faith. Well, I, I just don't believe that. Well, you know, if we don't believe, he's certainly not going to work through something that we believe because we just read that he gives us gifts apportioned to the faith that he gives us. There is a faith element that must be there. Right? And there's a faith element that must be there for you to let him work in your life. Each one of us in here know people that don't know Christ. Each one of us in here know people that need that sort of manifestation of Christ in our lives. However he, he wants to come out. However he wants to come through. But do we let him do that? See, he wants to do that through, through a clean conduit. And it will always go to manifest him. It will never go to build us up. It will never go to make our church great. Who cares if our church is great? It's the body of Christ that needs to be, be expanded, not individual things. And it has to be the name of Christ lifted high. Why? Because he's the only one that bought us with a price. He's the only one that paid the price for us to lift him up. That's why the Father, when he rose him from the grave, he 
said, your name is above all names. He made his name above all names. That's why every praise, every worship is to go to him. It's not to go to anybody here. Nobody here bought that on the cross. Nobody else bought our loyalty, bought our praise, but he did. Now these manifestation gifts, they're also known as the sign gifts. You've heard them called the sign gifts before. This is how the Holy Spirit will supernaturally, I want you to get that word, how he will supernaturally work through an individual to, dis, to demonstrate Jesus Christ in any given situation. So these gifts are a little bit different. These gifts are not something that's according to our personality. These gifts are not something that, that will even necessarily operate in day-to-day. See, your, your personality you can't get away from. It's kind of who you are, who you become, how he works at those ministry gifts, those service gifts. That's who we are, and that's how we operate daily. The manifestational gifts are a little bit different. You know, the manifestational gifts are nothing that we do. We simply receive and we let, right? Okay, in, in prophecy, for instance, it's not about... Praying to God, God, give me prophecy so I can tell somebody else if you had this gift of prophecy. No, he's going to tell you when he wants to tell you. Manifestational gifts are supernatural. There's something done through by the Holy Spirit through us when he wants to do it. Well, actually, when the Father wants to do it, because the Father sends the Holy Spirit to do his bidding. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our choices. When you look at at this list, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, these are all supernatural things. Don't get it confused with, with, well, I I have wisdom, therefore I have a word of wisdom. No, that's, that's not what it's talking about. A word of wisdom or a word of knowledge is something that in the moment is supernatural. It's well beyond our, our capabilities, well beyond anything that we can do. Right? So, and we're we're not going to get into these specifically, but I want you to understand the difference in this in this uh, in this type in this gifting type. And then the third one and the final categorization of giftings that are in the Bible are called the office gifts. I call them office gifts. These these are positional gifts. Okay, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going we're to uh, end with this category here. Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13. And Paul says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or pastors, and teachers. Why? Verse 2, To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, to equip them. Why? For building up the body of Christ, right, for building up the body of Christ, for how long? Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in other words, they're going to be with us for a while. Technically, 
It's going to happen until Jesus Christ comes because Jesus Christ brings the fullness. So until that point, he gives this separate categorization of giftings to the church. These, these giftings of office. Okay? What this really boils down to, folks, is accountability. What this really boils down to is the very thing that when, when I was called to, to start this church, that I was concerned with, is that I needed accountability. I, as the pastor here, not just accountability to all of you. I needed accountability to make sure I was on the right track. Okay? So that's what these offices are offered for. It's called a five-fold ministry. If your ministry, and, and it, there are different levels of it too, because this is something God wants us to develop within Ignition Church. But Ignition Church also falls under this authority as well. See, we, we have what you would, what you would call this apostolic authority that will be over us. Making sure that we're not going, you know, off center. Making sure holding us accountable to what we're doing. That's important. That's important not only in our church, but in the body of Christ. Why? Because you get way off base if you don't have that. If you don't have the very accountability that keeps you in the Word, that keeps you iron sharpening iron, as the Bible says, you're going to have all kinds of problems. Right? So that's what this gifting set was placed here for. These are typically, you know, your, your full-time ministry people. These are people that have been in ministry for a while. And, they, and, and again, there are even different levels of this gifting. Because this gifting is what God wants to develop right here. The, these positions of office. But even those are under positions that would be over Ignition Church. Okay, the, these are our core ministry gifts. They're given to the foundation, operation, and vision of a local church body. Okay, these are core to who we are. This was done in an overall sense in Acts for the foundation of the church age. They are also given a day for the individual church bodies or ministries that are added to the overall body of Christ. See, this same organizational structure that was given in Acts, the, this, this five-fold ministry, it's needed and required every time a new body starts up. When we planted a church, this is something that needs to develop here. It needs to develop here so then we, as we plant other churches, become that for other other organizations. So there are different levels of it. And, and it is it is very important to understand that this is all about accountability. It's all about preserving the perfect intent of what God has in his scripture. Keeping us in the direction that we need to be in. And none of these gifts can be neglected if you want to have a healthy ministry. You can't have four out of the five and have a perfectly healthy ministry. I can tell you because I've been part of them. You can't do that. You have to have all five, and we're not getting into what all these are. 
And I, I, I'm praying, but I, I'm, I'm not sure Lord wants me to continue this series to that point where we're talking about what all the individual things are. But you cannot miss any of them. He gave five for a reason. Right? He gave five for a reason because they work together. And look at, look at those. You know, he gave apostles. He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave shepherds. He gave teachers. Okay, what if he, what if he didn't give the shepherd part? Well, you'd be missing a key factor in caring for the body. See, because you're not going to get a lot of care out of the prophet. If you study what a prophet is, and you study what they do, they declare the word of God. There's an element that can be future, but they are there to declare the word of God. Usually have very little mercy. <laughs> they just declare it. Okay. A pastor, however, a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? Man, a shepherd will leave those 99 and go get the one. They have so much love for the individual, they will go after any individual. So see, you can't be missing any of those. How about the teacher? If you're missing the teacher, there are elements in the word that will never be taught. See, because the teacher has a gifting to do it. A gifting meaning the Holy Spirit is speaking through that person. So all of these things need to be present. Evangelist, how about that? Where would the church be without the office of evangelist? It'd be small. <laughs> That's for sure. They wouldn't go outside their doors. That's something I pray is never the case for Ignition Church. I pray that we never look at church within our walls. I pray that we only look at it as outside our walls. Because if the church isn't reaching out, it's not the church. And these are important things to understand because God gave each one of you a gift. He gave each one of you a ministry gift. He gave each one of you even manifestational gifts. But he's not going to cram it down your throat. He's, gonna, he's not going to make you get involved in church. He's not going to make you do something in church, even if you're gifted for it. See, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to offer that up for him. If you have the gift of evangelism, he wants you to use it. If you have the gift of teaching, he wants you to use it. He wants you to hone it. He wants you to, to increase the capability of that gift. That's another important point. When you're, given, when you're given a gift, it doesn't mean that, boom, now you're 100% with it. You know, well, I gave you the gift of teaching. Now you're the greatest, greatest teacher in the world. No. <laughs> like anything else, it takes time. It takes engagement. It takes working on it. It takes trusting God and allowing him to do whatever he wants to do through you. These are, these are abilities, these are capabilities, probably a better word, that he gives us to do his service. That's specifically in the ministerial 
or service gifts, but the manifestation gifts, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a big point of faith. That's a big place where you have to trust him to do what he wants. You have to trust him. You have to go after him like it says in 1 Corinthians 14 to seek those gifts, to seek the higher gifts. So it's not just this one time and everything's good. It's a learning process. I could tell you that just in personal experience. Being on this road now for two and a half years. There's a learning curve to it. There's a learning curve to even understanding what he wants to do in our lives. In, in, in this case, in my life. So I want to encourage you to get on that path. Get on that path by getting in the Word. Get on that path by seeking Him, seeking His face, seeking His truth. That personal relationship that we have with Him. And get intimate with Him. Get intimate because this world is not what we know it to be. It's temporary. We seem to think so much stuff is permanent, but it's not. It's temporary. And what we do here is important. What we do in our relationship with Jesus Christ and letting him work through us like that perfect conduit, what I was talking about, that's important. That's critical. It is the most important thing in our lives. There's nothing more important. And you're going to find when you allow God to work through you as that conduit without blocks, you're going to find that he works in an amazing way. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.